Uh, if you have your little programs, inter introduce uh, Brad McKinney. Uh, this is an amazing man. You know, the Bible says those who have an honest and good heart are those God can use, those who would be productive. Amen? A hundredfold productivity comes from the man or the woman that has an honest and good heart. And I'm not going to tell on Brad. He can tell on himself. But here's a man that was searching for the truth because he wanted to be the very best husband, the very best dad he could be. I mean, he really was searching for the truth. And we got to sit down and talk about our website. And he asked me, what do you want the website to do? And I told him I want it to be a teaching tool, not a promotional tool. <clears throat> and he helped me wrest it out of the hand of an evil capitalist uh, into the hands of a man who was a good man, an honest man. And so we started talking about what I wanted on there, and I gave him a couple biblical principles, and it was the coolest thing. He goes, yeah, I was just reading about that in his book. And then he kind of unfolded his story. And I was like, wow. I go, there's another really cool principle I think you'll like. And he goes, wow, yeah, I've been reading about that one too. And then pretty soon he shares some things he's learned. And I go, there's a, a verse for that. There's a verse for that. Kind of like there's an app for that. It was pretty cool. And then we started studying. And because he's an honest and good heart, immersed into Christ. And a little did I know that he was in, uh, uh, what is that, that group that you do that's a speaking group? Toastmasters. Toastmasters. I've been to some of those, man. And that's a good group. If you want to learn how to speak. Instead of saying, um, all the time, or so, like, you don't like, you know. If you want to get that stuff out of your, your sermons, it's uh, pretty amazing. It's a great group. Anyway, this man uh, has preached some excellent sermons, both there at the Hill and at men's camp. And I asked him if he'd step up today. So look at his title. Where do you come up with cool titles like this, man? This could be the title of a book or something. Lord, show me my heart in the store. I kind of got an idea where he's, where he's going. So let's bring him up. Brad McKinney. And, and Brad comes to us from Dallas. Isn't that amazing? We got another, another speaker from Dallas. Yeah, from Dallas, Oregon. So anyway, thanks, Brad. Thank you. So Bill set me up here. This whole Toastmasters thing, get rid of the ums and the so's. There's going to be a lot in there, just so you know, I'm a work in progress, just like most of us. I've been thinking a lot lately about relationships, because we've been talking about trust. And when we think about relationships, how hard is it to build a meaning relationship without trust? We talked earlier about Zoom meetings, not being face-to-face not paying attention while others are talking because we're multitasking. I don't think we can actually do that. We're just not listening, really. Because inevitably in those Zoom meetings when someone says, calls you by name, you're like, hey, could you catch me up real quick? I was multitasking. It's like the story of my life right now because of, like work is crazy and uh, I have a lot to do. So uh, I multitask a lot, but then I find myself trying to catch up so I could be part of the conversation. And you're always behind when that happens. And so I think about relationships as like with my wife, Melinda. When we're, when things are hard, like 
right now it's really busy. I'm spending a lot of time at work away from the family uh, to try to get things moving forward in my job. And I get focused on the task at hand. And then I feel like that Zoom meeting where you weren't paying attention and you weren't listening. And then you come and you're like, can you catch me up on that? I wasn't. So it's very relevant when we're thinking about building relationships with our spouses and with other people, like how often do we have to catch up in our relationships? And then what does that do to trust? Lack of communication in a marriage is destructive. And things are hard for us and we're going through adversity and, and we're, we're trying to, and I'm not speaking to all of you guys out there, but most of you guys are ones that internalize that and hold on to it and we want to be that stoic man and we don't we're going to hold those burdens on our own so we don't put those on our family and we think about what harm that does in the communication and then then what happens ladies when we don't communicate anybody it's a real question I'll, i won't answer it i'll ask what happens when we don't communicate to you about the things that are hard for us. What do you think's going on? You don't care. Yeah, we don't care. It's, it, it, do you feel like it's you when those things don't happen? That's hard, right? Like we're trying to say, like not burden you with our problems, but in the essence, we still burden you with our problems, right? Because we transfer that to you, making it feel like you're the problem when it's actually the, the world that we're trying to work with, which is tough. And so when I think about the sermons that we're gonna hear this weekend and trust, I haven't heard a lot about trust when things are going well. I think that's because we inherently know what to do when things are going well. It's really easy to get up in the morning and spend that hour reading and studying and reading. When things are easy and the world's not hard and dumping. It's harder when things get tough. And so when we have listened to sermons, I've noticed that everyone had spoke and will likely speak. I'm making an assumption here, so if I miss the, the mark, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident in my statement here, that most things we're going to talk about trust are going to be around adversity, when things are hard. I really appreciate Davis's conversation yesterday about God didn't promise us it was going to be easy. And Bill marking, or in his sermon, talking about the struggles of Paul and Silas and others that were rejoicing in that suffering. If you look and you just scan and search for words like trust and fear and suffering, they're all over. They're highlighted in the Bible. People didn't just have it easy as they moved through life. They had it difficult, and those things were documented in just their character as a person of how they went through that, how they tried to be like Christ and manifest that even when things were hard. So we know what, thing, we know what to do when God says yes, but I think we struggle when... The, the things aren't unfolding like we want them to be in our mind. We really hold on to what we want those outcomes to be. And I think that, thinking through 
forget how you phrase it, David, the, uh, like God forsaked me or he wasn't, he, he wasn't there for me, right? That's, but is he supposed, like, is he supposed to make the outcome great or are we supposed to learn from it? And I, I think it's the second one, I think it's learning from it. Uh, Bill and I have jokingly talked in study a few times about it's easy to wake up in the morning and be faithful, but it's really hard to be faithful when you're driving home in traffic at the end of the day. <laughs> Traffic's hard, right? Like, 55, really? Like, I want to be home. <laughs> I'm not going to tell on Dip Bill what I will. He called me on his way to study just to have a conversation because the traffic was not cooperating. Like, have that, like, hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. It's fine. <laughs> that was an operator problem. That was... <laughs> I think sometimes our storms wear away at our character. It's that, like, I'm really excited to get up in the morning and, and learn and understand and, and un, like, be that person that I'm reading about. And then as the day goes on and the meetings and the arguments and the struggles and the, the conflict happens where we have to put the show on and, and try to be that you know, uh, negotiator, that facilitator, it just it's tiring. I was thinking about statues the other day around like they don't always look like they were when they were made. There's some statues in the world that just, they're almost rubble on the ground. They're still there and significant to us. And those, like the weather has just chipped away at it and chipped away at it. And they're, they're almost like unrecognizable in some aspect. And I feel like that's me at the end of every day, right? Like I started out great, this goal, like this really pretty statue. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Um, so I have been going through a pretty large storm in, in my life right now. And I don't talk about my, some of my sermons, I talk about things I've gone through. I don't do that to highlight anything particular. I just think we can learn based on what we've learned through the process. So I'm just going to tell a little bit of story about my life over the last eight months. And I got a different job. I something I've never done before. And I thought and prayed, and this is the thing that I'm gonna do. And in my past, when things got really hard, I'd be like, all right, I'm done with this, let's find something else, and then I would move on. And I'd get another job. But this time, like my lesson is finishing. I'm gonna finish this job no matter how hard it gets. And right now it's hard, it's really, really hard. Uh, I'm uh, working on a project where I've got many different uh, aspects to an IT project where there's two uh, divisions trying to come under one umbrella under a system and there's a lot of needs on both sides and then which creates a lot of conflict and we're in the news because <laughs> it's a state agency that maybe was involved a lot in the pandemic uh, relief parts. Um, and every day is meeting back to back all day, and it's just that, that grinding on my character. 
that constant having to put in front of me that what I want to show up as, not reacting to what's in front of me. And I think that's difficult. Anybody, anybody have that problem as far as the day, as the day goes on, it gets harder and harder to, to manifest that character of Christ. So hard. And that's me on a daily basis. I have to focus and work at it every minute because when I think I'm out of handle on it, I'll get an email or I'll get a message. I call it my mystery of the day. Like, what is going to be my mystery of today? Because there's one every day. One every day. I don't know what problem it's going to be. I don't know what weird thing's going to happen. I don't know who's going to send it, but it's coming. And it's coming at a time that I don't even, can't even think. Right before lunch. Great, I don't need lunch today. <laughs> uh, but those happen to all of us. It's, just, it's not unique to me. I'm just working out my own difficulties. I'm just trying to get into a place where, where the storm isn't here on the surface causing my thoughts and beliefs and behaviors to manifest based on what the storm is doing. I want the storm to be up here, and I want to be in that calm place with Christ and his character. This all, it's like Epiphany came to me, four o'clock in the morning, sitting in the parking lot, about to go into work, and this song came on, and it's, it was called Show Me My Heart. Many, many people sing this song, so I'm not going to put a, um, a artist to it, but I broke down in my car. I was crying because like the, it hit at the perfect moment, like the crescendo of everything from every day and week for the last six months and this song came on and it just reminded me like wow I'm not showing up the way I want to show up this is like the like God saying hey wait a minute you don't need to go in right now you need to stop and we need to have a conversation and in that moment I had a prayer that just just brought me down like I was like sorry Lord I've been trying to do this myself, and that's not working. <laughs> I mean, and at the end of that, like it wasn't like peace came over me and all was going to be great. Like it was still going to be hard. But what it did do is it got me back on thinking of morning study, getting back in the Word, even though work is difficult and twelve-hour days there's still time for God. There's still time to open up the Bible and read and understand what those character traits are that we're trying to bring to the world so we can show others that saving light. Yeah. Because when things are really great, no one's searching. Because things are great. It's like, I'm going to go knock on the door when things are great. Oh, no, I'm good. When people are struggling and it's hard and life is just in your face, that's when people are searching. Because there's an answer out there somewhere. And it hit me right in the face with the song. <laughs> Which is interesting because it was just, it, it, it was the, the little bitty changes in behavior, right? Like, oh, I used to get up at four, read, and then go to work, be to work by seven, it'd be great. Then it was like, I'm getting up at four, but then I need to be at work at five, and 
So you cut out the things, and when you cut out listening to God, it doesn't serve you very well. You stop understanding the way you're supposed to show up. You stop seeing how you can fit in the world to be the best, like to show up the best. You just you're trying to get it done. Like I have all these things I got to get done, and I'm marking them off my list. Great, but you, you're not going to mark things off fast enough. <laughs> They're still going to be there, right? Like the the adversity is still going to come, and then it's like the stress builds and the anxiety for me builds, and I just at some point it just it's all going to fall apart. I don't feel that right now because several months ago, well, a month and a half ago. I was sitting in my car and I heard the song and I remembered it's not me that can fix this. I need someone with me to fix it. And we, uh, Matt and Bill and my wife and I, we were having a study the other night and we were talking about, I grew up with this mentality of I cannot be defeated. But this is really a win or lose scenario, right? At some point I'm going to lose, but you don't lose with God. So I've tried to change that and working hard on changing those words in my brain to I can do anything with Christ who strengthens me. Because that gives me someone in it with me, right alongside of me. When things are hard, someone's there to say, hey, you can do it. You're here. I'm here with you. It's a long-distance relationship, right? Those are hard. you got to communicate more in a long-distance relationship, right? We have this book, this word, this word of God in a book that says the same things over and over and over and over and it doesn't change. We change the meaning of those words in some capacity, which I, that's hit me yesterday pretty, pretty hard. So my response to those, we're studying, what are the characters of Christ? How do I want to show up in the world? And Colossians 3, I put 12 through 13. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a digital digital Bible here, so it'll take me a second. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another forgiveness, forgive, I'm sorry, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I think that was... I lost my notes. That's a struggle. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so, in my day, I think about the characters of Christ, and it lays it right out there for us. It says we should be patient, we should be compassionate, we should be gentle, we should be forgiving, we should have humility, we should be kind, and we should be loving. And so as I'm working through my day now, I'm thinking, like, how do I show up and have that character of Christ? How do I go into this conflict resolution situation where I've got two parties that are angry with each other? How do I show up with love? How do I be kind? How do I have compassion for both sides? And then we can have a conversation and get to a resolution in this problem. And it's transformational. Because it's no longer about me trying to fix it. The strategies of the conversation and the communication. The books I've read on negotiation and 
communication and all the strategies to getting to yes. All that stuff gets thrown out the window when you show up and you're like, hey, you're a human and you're a human. And this is a problem. Let's have a conversation and work through it. Let's come alongside of each other and solve these things. It takes the stress, it takes the anxiety all out of it because we're all face to face sometimes. Sometimes we're on Skype or Teams or whatever. But uh, it's that process of just showing up as we've all seen Jesus show up in the New Testament. I've never seen Jesus show up to a situation and have an argument. He always says the right words. He always cuts right through the positioning, the, the self part of a conflict, and gets right down to what the meaning is and, and what's, what's the best solution to this based on these things, compassion, gentleness, forgiveness, humility, kindness, love. Doing this, I have it on my computer screen. I, I open it up every day. Like These are the things that I want to do. This is how I want to show up in my job. This is how I want to show up for my family. The funny thing is, the best we do with this, I think I'm doing really great at work and I'm feeling all of the bonuses from that, right? The, just the getting there, the stress is like coming down. Cooperation is getting better. Sorry, son, I'm going to bring you into this. My son says, man, dad, I don't think you like us. <laughs> wow, like that's a punch in the stomach, right? Like, hey, that's right. I also have to do these things at home, right? Not just at work. For once, we used to go on a walk every night and have some conversation. And we would connect and I would understand what's going on in his day and he would understand what's going on in mine and we would build a relationship. And then COVID happened and then work changed and then we stopped doing that. Would you like think about father, son, I stopped talking to him and communicating and building that relationship with him and it really had a hard time with our relationships. What happens when we as son, stop talking to our father. He's there. He's like, hey, I'm over here. Come talk to me. We're like, hey, no, I'm over here. I'm busy. I got this stuff going on. I got to get, I got to fix this thing. Once we start having that conversation again, wow, how powerful that is in our life. Let's go to Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. And I thought I was going to not have enough time, so. <laughs> but now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn. God created us. He knows us intimately. He knows our thoughts. He knows those dark parts of us. 
He knew us before our parents knew us. He knew us before our friends did. And he knew us before we became Christians. No one really knows us better. And he knows the motives of our heart when we show up. Everyone in this room right now, he knows why we're here. The next part of that, he reminds us that he redeemed us. He bought us. What it means to redeem is to buy. Despite our faults, despite our downfalls, despite our secret thoughts, he didn't focus on those. And he still redeemed us. He calls us by name. Does it feel good when someone calls, like, says your name when they talk to you? I used to think it was, like, when I was in, I was a claims rep for a really long time, and I met a lot of people, and it was really hard to keep track of all the names. I knew most people by their car, not by what their name was. And so I thought it was a good quality to be able to have an entire conversation without using someone's name because it was really hard to remember those things. But now I try to make an effort to everyone like to call them by name because it does. It shows that they're important. It shows that you remember them. shows their value. They're valuable. And when God calls us by name, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are right now. How many people are in the world? Eight billion at this point? And he's going to still call us all by name. Wow. it's a lot of names to remember. Now, I think the that first verse is powerful, but I think the power comes in the second verse. Because it's the promise. When we have hard times and we face difficult situations, we're not going to be overcome. He's going to be there with us. And it's not dependent on me as an individual. Even when I'm in myself and I'm trying to fix it and be just me and I'm the one that's going to get through this, he's still standing there whispering in our ear, man, I'm here. When you need me, when you're ready, I'll be right here. All you got to do is just start talking to me again. But what does it take to believe in that? I think that's trust. Exactly what we've been talking about for yesterday evening and this morning. Like we cannot, we cannot believe he's there unless we trust that he's really there to help us. I got, I have a bunch of, um, verses here that I'm just going to run through really quickly, so I don't know if you want to move back and forth, but I'll, I'll read them. But in the front part of those two verses, it says, do not fear. And yes, uh, yesterday, Bill talked about like trust and what's the opposite of trust or worry. And fear and worry are best friends. Right? We worry because we're afraid that something's going to happen and it's not going to go the way we want it to go or it's going to go worse than we think it's going to go. But there's so many passages. I think it's like 176 when I just put fear not or, or don't fear. Or, uh, it says do not fear. In Psalms 112, 7, uh, chapter 112, verse 7, he will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Amen. 
Psalms 112 and 8. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. Psalms 118.6. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do we really think, like, believe and trust that God is there to help us? I would say, and I'll be honest, I'm getting there. I don't think I did even really a couple of months ago when I was trying to do it all myself. I forgot. And I needed to be diligent about being in the Word. And, it, and I didn't. And then I fell from that belief. And I'm trying to gain that back and trust that He is there to help me. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart, do not let your heart trouble, nor let it be fearful. Revelations 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you a crown. When we talk about, or when the, the, the title of my sermon about show my heart in the storm, do we have a trusting heart when we go into situations and trust that God is there right by us, ready to help us? Or do we have a fearful heart and going against that and trying to fix the problems on our own? In some aspects, I think when the morning comes and we're faithful, that's easy. But when the storm comes and starts weathering our character, that's when it gets challenging. And we need that reassurance from God and his word that he will be there to help us. He's promised us these things. But we have to understand the right promises and live our life that way and, and be in alignment with God, not trying to do it on our own. So I'm going to close in a prayer. That's all I, I have for my sermon. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for the promises in your word. Thank you for seeing that we are worthy of your redemption. And our understanding that it's not our, it's not, it's not us alone that's weathering the storm. And when those storms come, that you are by our side. And when those storms come, that you will show us our heart and show us your great character and your word so we can be the light for others. Thank you. 
for the time we have this weekend for fellowship and that we can get together and learn from others and that their messages will get into our hearts and our minds so we can go out and trust you in the world and know that you're there to help us. Thank you, Lord, for all of those that came to help this event come together that are in the front of the room and behind the scenes. Uh, it couldn't happen without everyone. Just thank you all, or thank you for being here with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, there's a lot of uh, preachers that have been around a long time that wouldn't preach that sermon. You want to know why? Because they need to be seen in people's eyes as something rather than being straight up bone honest. You know why I love this guy so much? I know I can trust him completely because he has an honest heart. <clears throat> he checks his motives. And that's powerful stuff. So I really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. And that was an awesome lesson. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, it's awesome. Let's get up again. Woo